The following sermon was delivered by Rev. Laurel Gray at the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. I shared a few weeks ago that I spent a day with our local sixth grade class for their World Religion Symposium. The kids rotated between speakers, learning all about different religions from people of those traditions. And so I talked about Walden Pond and Universalism, the church that was the town hall, and being a people bound by covenant. And throughout, I answered their questions. There was this one group of boys who were so fascinated by the idea of universalism and trying to figure out its limits, that they essentially wanted to know if it was possible to get excommunicated from Unitarian Universalism, to get kicked out of the church. The answer, if you're wondering, is no, we don't do that. We do sometimes set boundaries around how people can engage in a congregation if they've done specific harm, like murdering someone, one of the boys interjected, which yes. But we don't cast people out or say they're damned. There's no banishment. And as I answered all of the questions, one boy raised his his hand after I explained that UUs weren't necessarily Christian, but that plenty of UUs are also Christian. So what about Jesus dying on the cross? He asked. And I paused. And my brain felt like it was short-circuiting as I tried to figure out if I could succinctly translate some very complicated theology to a room of sixth graders of wildly different religious backgrounds. And then I said, uh, that's complicated. I think our our reading did a good job of leaning into the, uh, that's complicated part of Easter. There are ways of telling the story of resurrection that focus on the hope and the life that comes even after death. There are also ways of telling the story that focus on the blood and sacrificing one life to cleanse the sins of others. One of the complicated things about religion, especially when we're talking about the Bible, is that everyone is always cherry-picking, choosing what matters more and what can be skimmed over. The text itself is both so massive and includes so many contradictions and strange minutiae that everyone is always leaving some things out. So when it comes to the Easter story, we have to make choices. Choices about how we engage, what we highlight, what helps us to live fully and authentically, and what doesn't. And for a lot of people, that means just not going there. Because there is a theological lens that says Jesus died on the cross to cleanse us of our sins so that we might live. But we in this place, we are universalists. We will call no one damned, back to the never excommunicating people thing. So the idea that someone was killed as a kind of sacrificial peace offering to an angry God in order to create some goodness that doesn't make sense for us. That theological lens, that way of reading the story, doesn't help us live more clearly. But it's not the only option. There are other ways of seeing the story, 
And theological pluralism doesn't scare us. It's maybe the thing we you use our best at. We assume that wisdom is a garden, not a single tree. Or to continue my lens metaphor, wisdom is that big contraption at the eye doctor and spiritual seeking is the process by which we figure out the lenses that make our eyes hurt and the lenses that will help us read the random letters clearly, the lenses that will help us engage in our lives more fully. So what do we choose? How do we engage with the Easter story in a way that does help us live our lives more fully? Or perhaps more specifically, what do you choose? Because I can't tell you what it means to you, but I can invite you to wonder and to remember that there are options. I'll tell you the first time I experienced Holy Week, the first time I experienced that progression from Good Friday to Holy Saturday to Easter, I was honestly a little envious. I had never experienced anything like it before. I was awestruck and it felt like a gut punch. Awe isn't always sweet. Sitting in the university church in the silent cavernous darkness, having watched the pastors tenderly strip the altar and leave the congregation alone with the emptiness, it was one of the most honest things I'd ever experienced in any kind of religious setting. Because to be human is to know devastation. And there it was in front of me, stark and silent and keening, echoing a kind of pain that has no words. We UUs can be guilty of leaving so much out like for instance, the whole Jesus part, that we treat Easter like a holiday that is exclusively about springtime. And as a person named after a flowering shrub, I assure you that I love springtime and conflating Easter with spring leaves a lot to be desired. Even if we talk about winter, because winter can honestly be kind of cozy and magical. Good Friday is not cozy. It's empty and sobering and piercing all at once. And what good is a faith that can't reach into the worst moments of the human experience and remain steadfast? Or at the very least, show up. At least say that the sacred mystery of life abides with us in the tomb of despair, knows something of that kind of pain. Easter doesn't happen without Good Friday. The two are inextricably linked. And I don't think it matters if the story of Easter is historically or scientifically accurate. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm more interested in whether or not it's true. True that life keeps returning. True that hope rises. True that despair cannot destroy us. True that our lives are so intertwined that the death of one still doesn't mean death has won. All you need to remember is how it sounded when you stood in the place of death and heard the living call your name. Universalism 
is an invitation to believe that the call of the living can reach into the worst, can reach into the place of death, an invitation to believe that hope rises, that even after the worst devastation and despair, love is still possible, still undaunted. We are people of a covenant, a people bound by a promise to love and to care, not a unity of belief. So make of this day what you will. Maybe the Easter story can open your heart, or maybe it can't. Not right now. Maybe it's too closely tied to a theology of shame and punishment for you. It is good to know our limits. It took me a really, really long time to be able to hear the story of Easter without feeling the hackles of cynicism and disgust rising. Because it is a gruesome story, and one that can and has been used to cause harm. I also know that it can be a profoundly honest story of hope and the human experience. One that can meet us in the empty places and withstand the echo of despair. Again, the words of Eleanor Westbrook. So let us celebrate that even after murderous betrayal, after days and nights suspended in torture, when all the world has gone dark and we cried out, why have you forsaken me? Even then, there is a sunrise. Even then, there is a resurrection. If we will climb the hill to look for it, if we, ro- if we will roll away the stone and recognize the different shapes that hope can take to walk among us in the returning light. So on this Easter Sunday, may it be so, and amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org. All are welcome.